You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Real wolves are social creatures. They need and crave a group to belong to in order to survive and thrive. The same is true for your Minnesota Timberwolves. Now join host Henry Lake as he gets an inside look with another prominent member of the club. This is Life in the Pack. Welcome to another edition of the Life in the Pack podcast, where we talk to players, past and present, and executives with the Minnesota Timberwolves organization. I'm your host, Henry Lake, and today I get a chance to talk to one of the assistant coaches for the Minnesota Timberwolves, a guy that I've had the pleasure of knowing for the last 20 years. His mm-hmm. name is Kevin Burleson, and he joins us here today on the podcast. KB, it's always a pleasure to talk to you, and thanks for coming on Life in the Pack. No, thank you. Thank you. This is great. You know, we talk sometime anyway, you know, so it's good to get on this podcast and just chop it up. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. Know what I'm always so, a pleasure. It's been a while. It's been probably since the last time we had a sit down. It was. Um, right before the new year, we mm-hmm. hung out at, at JD Hoyt. Yeah. We got to share some Buddy Bowl stuff, whatever. Just kind of <laughs> caught up and, and chopped it up with Shout a Shout out to JDO. Shout out to Pat. Yeah, yeah. that's the spot. That's yeah. the spot. That is the spot. Yeah. All right. I've been known to be open, honest, um, transparent when I have conversations on the radio, television, and even here on the podcast, yeah. right? So, and I must admit that with us being boys, uh, you're one of my favorite people in the organization. Appreciate uh, it. Just off the strength that we've known each other for so long. But let's go back a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to get to know a little bit more about the Burleson family mm-hmm. representing Seattle, Washington. Yeah, your two hundred six, two hundred six. Your father Al was a football player. Your yes. older brother Alvin was a football player. Yes. Your brother Nate, who we all know, starred in the NFL. Yeah. What was it about basketball for you? Uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, I was a skinny kid. That's one thing. <laughs> And you know, I, I love basketball right away because it was one one time my dad, when we were kids, took us to a basketball game. It was the Sonics versus the Chicago Bulls. And like at that time, I liked basketball, um, but I wasn't really that into it because I wasn't very good, to be honest. I mm-hmm. was kind of lanky and skinny, unskilled. Are we, we're talking the Jordan years. Jordan years, okay. yeah, Jordan years. Like really, kind of like almost. I would think, yeah, the almost, yeah, it's prime because okay. I was probably about eleven or something. I don't know. Okay, yep, maybe nine to eleven. So took us to a game. And I remember knowing who Jordan was, but I wasn't a big basketball fan. And I was way up in the nosebleeds at the time. And I remember seeing a, a dark, bald head just just going down the court, <laughs> doing everything. And I was like, who's that? And he said, that's Michael Jordan. And I was like, I remember the fans were going crazy every single move he did. And he was just like amazing. It's like, it like something like out of the movies or something. And I, I remember something came over me and said, they were like, I was like, wow, I want to do that. I want to be like that. I want to have the fans cheering for me. And it was something. I was like, I'm going to go home and practice. So my dad was like, oh, are you serious about this? You really want to play? So he gave me a, a Pistol Pete Maravich tape. Okay. Right? Yep. You know, yep. I don't know if you kids, if you guys really want to go out there and learn some some skills, a lot of the basketball training methods 
the foundations was the Pistol Pete Maravich okay. training tape. Yep. So I took that. Uh, he gave me that tape, and I literally tried to master every single drill for the next couple of years, and that was my foundation. So really the 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 atmosphere, the excitement that surrounded Michael Jordan and those Bulls teams, yep. when you got into that atmosphere, you were like, man, this is electric. This is something <laughs> that I, will want, I want to do. Yes, yes. And, you know, my dad, you know, he played football. Football was in our blood. Yep. So, um, and I, it's not like I didn't like football, but something about basketball was a little different. So, um, so yeah, I tried football a little bit. And I liked it a little, but the basketball just it was just, I got I became a fanatic basically. Yeah. Yep. All right. So, so what is it about Minnesota Timberwolves basketball players uh, and coaches mm-hmm. from Seattle winning high school state titles? <laughs> because I talked to Jay McDaniel's a few weeks ago. Yeah. He was on the podcast, yeah. and he did. And I see that in your junior year. Of high school, is it O'Day? Yeah, O'Day High okay, School. Okay, yeah. O'Day. Shout out to O'Day, baby. Yeah. You you went undefeated and you won the state title. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, I'm a. It's not just the players. It's good coaching over there in, in Seattle. I'm not gonna lie to you. Like a lot of uh, when I was growing up, a lot of players from uh, different places had you know different types of skills. Especially in New York, at the ball handling. Yeah, you might go to the Midwest, got some shooting and all that. But like for us, we were like we really uh, you know focused on the fundamentals. So like players from other you know, states will see us playing like, man, you guys got all these fundamentals, like tease us a little bit. But it was really, we were grassroots. Like from um, when I grew up in um, Seattle, playing rotary basketball, rotary style basketball, rotary boys and girls clubs, shout out to them. Um, all the That's city, a big program. Yeah, big program. I mean, they are really good at developing uh, kids at a young age. So, and you, we just, you know, fall in line. So I think that's uh, something like, and then high school sports is pretty big out there. So, yeah, I mean, we, we're, I was fortunate to go in the field and win. Um, a lot of Seattle kids. So, yeah. You're Absolutely. Right. Yeah, we're talking to uh, assistant coach from the Minnesota Timberwolves, Kevin Burleson, here on the uh, Life in the Pack podcast, and I'm your host, Henry Lake. So how did you escape the state of Washington and find <laughs> your way onto the campus of the University of Minnesota and play for my guy, Coach Clem Haskins, and the Golden Gophers? Yeah, shout out to Clem Haskins. That's my guy, too. But, uh, yeah, you know, I was, I, you know, I, I thought I was going to play in the Pac-10, to be, I mean, be honest, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they still call it. I don't think they call it the Pac-10 anymore. Pac-12. Right? Pac-12, yeah. So, yeah, I, I thought I was going to play there. I wanted to play for Arizona because Jason Terry played for Arizona. Okay. I, you know, when I was a kid, Jason used to uh, pick me up and take me to play with the older kids because I was one of the next Jason Terry. Oh, wow, player. that's yeah. what's up. Yeah, so, like, I was, like, trying to follow him. Um, so anybody from the state that was, like, doing something – you know, we just tried to follow. So I thought I was going to go there or anywhere in the, in the Pac-12. But, you know, Clem Haskins uh, came out to see us, uh, came out to see me. And uh, at the time, they recruited me and um, one of my friends, Doug Wren. So, like, they came out to see both of us. And then Coach Haskins is just uh, electric, man. You you know, he's just father figure. He, had, he, he Personality, personality man. Oh, yep. my God. He has it all. So right when I met him in person, I was like, wow. Like, you know, and then I came out here for a visit and I was like, and I had four other visits actually scheduled. And um, I just, after this visit, I don't know. And then I ain't gonna lie, like Quincy Lewis was my host and Quincy uh, was a guy that like I looked up to when I, you know, in basketball, just, you know, knowing a, a little bit about the Midwest basketball. So, and maybe the Big Ten. So like when I saw him and he, you know, took me around and, you know, it was like, I felt like he had, I had a mentor already, you yeah. know? So all that that combination, uh, I was like, okay, I'm going to think about it. And Clint was like, don't think too long. <laughs> <laughs> don't think too long. Like, come on, son. We, you know, we got other guys too. And yep. I was like, all right. So, and yeah. the allure playing in the Big Ten, right? Oh, yeah, man. Yeah. Like, the Big Ten is like a historic conference. Like, I mean, I love the Pac-12 is a historic conference too. But Big Ten is like, you know, oh, man, Big Ten, you got to be tough. You got to be this. And I was like, you know, kind of like that challenge was, uh, you know, something I wanted to do. So, 
Yeah, I, I was excited for that, and then like it was it was a no brainer after meeting Coach Ashton and coming out here. You know, he, great individual. I love his personality, and you just hit on it. Like anybody that sits down with Coach, you're just gonna have a good time with yes. him. You, you you're gonna vibe with him. But I know that early on, when I was um um much younger, like early '90s. When I started diving into Coach Haskins and his background mm-hmm. and just seeing the other places of West Kentucky and all this stuff and seeing how much of a hooper he was, mm. I was like, man, man, mm. Coach Haskins ain't no, you know, he's a man. beast out here. Beast. <laughs> he was a beast. I mean, he used to tell us stories. He used to say he used to go to the gym and like, because I used to be like, when I first got on campus, I'm like, okay, you know, I need somebody to rebound for me. You know, like, you know, I want to get a lot of shots up and all that stuff. And he was like, yeah, I'll make sure I have that. And then, like, one time I think some people were busy and I couldn't rebound and all that. Somebody couldn't rebound for me, so I didn't shoot. So, you know, I, I ended up passing, saying to Coach Hassan, and he said, what? You didn't shoot? He said, when I grew up, we didn't have rebounders. I used to go to the court, spin the ball for hours yep. and just shoot. You got to retrieve it yourself. You it yourself, right? <laughs> and I'm like, I did that before, but I said, Coach, hours? Like, hours. He said, he said, and I, and I don't care. I don't care. There's no girls around, especially on game days. Like he was like, I was strict. I was like, oh man, this is where I, I need to be like this. So yeah, man. And I actually started doing that to be honest. Just you know, Coach Aston's just his stories are amazing too. So yeah, yep. but he was a hooper. He was great. Yep. All right. Does it get cold in Seattle? I've never been to Seattle because I know the uh, the Minnesota winters. That that had to be mm-hmm. a shock to the system for you. What? I mean, it was a big shock. It, it gets cold in Seattle, and there is some. When it's like a snow, uh, heavy snow season, it's kind of like surprising a little bit because it, it does snow there, but not heavy, uh, not for long. So um, there's been some winters where it's been bad. But here, when I first got here, it was a big adjustment because my roommate, Nick Sinville, uh, he was a, a five-star athlete uh, recruit. He was from Louisiana. Okay. So we were roommates. And I remember remember like being in the dorm room with him, and he was like, Man, I don't know if I could take this. This is like two days. We're two days on campus, right? Like this is cold, and this is going into like we we're, we were here in the summer, then we left and we went back home. They came back for the school year, so um, I remember we put some um, water outside just to test it. And it froze like in seconds, whatever. And we looked at each other, and we didn't even say nothing to each other. But we, our ESP said we gotta get out of here. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> y'all were like, "This gonna be interesting." Yeah, we gotta get out. Of, like this ain't right. And we used to go. It used to be a Baker Square uh, restaurant. Like uh, we'd go there for breakfast. Yep. And we used to walk backwards because it was so cold in the wind, and we kept looking at each other like, "Nah, we gotta get out of here." <laughs> But as soon as practice started and the season went on, we was like, oh, it's okay. You know what I'm saying? Then we got used to it. But it it, it was it was a it was a shock. I mean, you got a down jacket, bro. That's why that's why they make parkers, right? That's why they that's why they make that nice nah, gear. No, no, this is a different type of parker you gotta get here. <laughs> it's a different breed, yeah. All right, you got a chance to play in the league with the Charlotte Bobcats, yeah. but you first played um professionally overseas yeah. and started in Germany. What was that experience like? It was great. I mean, it was the first time, you know, obviously being an adult and not having to go to class and just kind of be on your own. And um, it was a it was a, a little shock, too, because when I left, I didn't I, I've been overseas, but just for a quick moment for like a tournament or something. So mm-hmm. me living there, I didn't know what to expect. I, was, I brought my own soap. I was like, oh, they're going to have this or that. But, you know, I got acclimated really fast. Germany's a good spot to go, especially for like Hoopers or anybody that wants to just uh, go somewhere that's kind of close still to America as far as people speak English. So uh, it was interesting, but at the same time, it was perfect for me because I didn't feel like I was too like in a such a foreign land that I didn't understand anything. So, okay. Um, and then like my teammates were great, and um, it was one of the things I could kind of spread my wings too. Because in college, I was more of a you know just a role I mean role player, table setter. Um, but then over there, they're like, you you got the ball, score as much as you want. And I was like, I get to score as much as I want. Yeah. All right. You know, me get some thirty and forty point games. So it was fun doing that. You know. So. 
Uh, Germany was great. And just, I still have friends to this day in Germany. Like, wow. I mean, I, I'll go out, if I have a chance, I will go out there and visit them. I mean, Germany is a special place for me. How many Americans were on your team when you played over there? So at the time, when we first went out there, it was only could have two. Okay. And then they changed it as I, when I left. But like, yeah, we only could have two. But you know what? Two Americans, but they figure out how to have like, oh, great, great, great grandma was a little bit of German. So uh-huh. it's like, yeah. they trying to, yeah, yeah. they trying to navigate in there so like, like, oh, we got you. Yeah, yeah, there's another, yeah, you really American, but uh, you know, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, you know, it was like that. But no, I was in Heidelberg and Heidelberg is great. It was a great city. Um, I mean, people go out there just for tourism anyway. So it, it mm-hmm. was great. At what point in your basketball career did you say that you wanted to coach? I would say, uh, so I will go back to Seattle throughout my career and train by myself or with other people, right? So like people in Seattle know like I train a lot and I, and I love to train. So people will call me like, where you, you know, they know I'm back in the summer, like where you gonna train at? So um, I'll have friends that are trying to go overseas or even NBA players or whatever, whoever, just come train with me and I will lead a lot of the workouts, you know? You know, yep. just, just, just naturally. So I was like, I knew I like kind of like that and I kind of like helped developing people um, and then as towards the end of my career, I got a couple of injuries, uh, and I was like, man, I wasn't the same. But I still had offers to go to some some other spots, places that I really didn't want to go to. Just, I was just kind of chasing money. So I was like, you know what? Um, one of my uh, basketball mentors asked me to, to train Zach Levine. And I knew Zach as a kid a little bit, you mm-hmm. know, and him, I seen him grow up, but my basketball mentor that trained me would train him. And he was like, hey, could you show him some point guard stuff, train him. So I would take him. I, I first, I trained him a little bit when he was like in eighth grade. And I, and I went back overseas. And then when, then when he was exploding in high school, I came back and trained him before the draft. And um, that's when I knew I was like, oh, I liked it. And I was towards the end of my career, but I was training him, getting him ready. And I was like, man, you know, I like this a little bit more than I thought. Yep. So that's when I had to decide, like, should I keep playing? So then I called uh, our friend, J.B. Bickerstaff, yep. and said, hey, you know, I think I'm going to stop playing soon. Uh, if you know any, you know, positions, even internships for player development, let me know. And he was like, oh, I will. I will. And there was one actually in Philly that I was going to go for. But he was like, no, nah, no, nah, check out Houston. So then I interviewed and I, with everybody. And then after that, I went on and start right away. Feet running. First day. So that so that's kind of that kind of segues into my, my second question. I think you kind of gave it away there a little bit. I was going to ask you, was there a person that that kind of lets you know that you had that gift to communicate with players. Would you say that JB was one of those individuals? Yeah, JB, JB would tell me like, uh, you know, you know, obviously like me and JB, I've learned a lot from him. I mean, he's one of my best friends, family, basketball mentor, good people, everything, yep. everything, right? So, um, you know, just seeing him coach and train and work out, I mean, I used to work out with him all the time. Like I learned a lot from him. And one thing he told me about myself is like, I could connect with players and you know, it's not, I'm not just training them. I'm like, I'm actually putting my heart into it, right? So that's what he told me. I didn't see this, that. I just saw it as me just wanting to work somebody out and yep. develop them and want to see them succeed. So he told me that, and um, and that's when um, I kind of said, okay, I got. I, may, I, might, I might have a gift for this, you know? And when I came to Houston right away, he was like, all right, you got him, you got him, you got him. It was no warm-up. It was just like, you're training all these guys. And I was like, all right. And I connected with him right away. So uh, then I thought to myself, maybe I do have a gift for this. And then after that, I just kept going. Yep. Minnesota Timberwolves assistant coach Kevin Burleson is our guest here mm-hmm. on the Life in the Pack podcast. Yeah. Uh, one of the things about you, KB, is that you're a thinker, man. Yeah. And you ain't a shallow dude. No, no. And we've talked about life stuff yeah. at times. We, you know, we, we crack and, you know, yeah. a lot of jokes and have fun. Uh, you've even given me some health advice. Yeah. You know, when I had, um, I guess – 
uh, some weird stuff going on <laughs> yeah, a couple yeah. of years ago. I kind of, kind of, a, yeah. I was in a weird spot in life, and you kind of assisted me and kind of, you know, uh, helped me kind of work through some issues. But uh, who would you say on the squad is that person that you like to have those conversations with? On the squad, yeah, Ooh. on the squad, on the Timberwolves. In terms of whether it's whether it's a player or whether it's a, somebody on the coaching staff, that you just kind of like to have those deep interactions with. Well, I would say uh, far as a player, be Jalen Noel because Jalen's a deep thinker. Okay, um, very artistic, very like abstract, and that's how kind of how he plays too. I mean, he's like an artist out there. So, you know, I you know, in the bubble, I found that out. You know, we had the mm. bubble um, when they was doing the COVID. Last, I think it was last year. Yeah, we had a little bubble downtown, and we just kind of like did our thing there and like was training. So we had a lot of time together, and we sat down one day and we just had a we talked for maybe two hours. And I remember like, oh man, this kid, man, he, he's an old soul. He has a, you know, a yeah. lot of knowledge in different areas. So we can talk from health to um, esoteric knowledge to just like meditation, everything. So I like to go to them different layers with him. And then on the coaching staff, especially for help would be Max. Max, um, uh, he, he's one of them deep thinkers and he's a, and really health-wise, like he checks me because I'm always mm. checking everybody for their yep. You know, like, hey, you need what are you eating this, doing this, take this herb, do this, blah, blah, blah. And he just gets to another level. You know, he's from France, but he, he yeah, I guess out there, I don't know what they're doing, but he's he's on point. And he executes it too. Like he's, wow. he's not like going to de- defer from his, his diet. So it was like, we just actually talked today. Uh, I guess there's a new documentary called Milked, talking about the milk industry and the dairy industry. Ooh. Yeah, It just came out on the 18th, but it came out on YouTube today. Okay. So we're, he said he saw it. He said it was pretty good. So, and he drink, I think he drinks milk sometime, but like he was just saying like, he likes to get the information. So yeah, it, it, it was it, me and him, we connect like that. All right, this is one um, that I think a lot of the fans of the, of, of the podcast and of the team are probably intrigued about. What is the typical day like for an assistant coach in the NBA? Mm, yeah, it depends. <laughs> <laughs> give, give, give me, give me, give me kind of a, a quick glance at a game day versus a, a yeah a practice day. So a practice day will be uh, so we'll come in maybe around eight eight thirty, depending on if you got work to do in the morning. Uh, we're probably uh, like today, for instance, like. Like, yo, well, today's not practice day. So, yeah, today. So, I got around 8.15. But, like, most people get around 8, 7.30, just around that time because they might have finished up some work. You know, some even come around 7. But um, then we'll have coaches meeting at 9, right? And then, you know, whether you're in the coaches meeting completely because you might have players that start at 9.20. Mm-hmm. So, from 9 or nine o'clock to, like, 10, there's workouts. So, if you don't have a player to 9.20, you, you leave at 9.20 out of the coaches meeting and you'll start at 9.20, whatever. So, anyway, so, like, We'll have workouts until 10. And then 10 o'clock, we'll have film session. Then we'll have film session breaking down either the previous game or whatever. Then after that, film session's over. And that can last to whatever. You know, it just depends. And then we have practice. Then practice, you know, goes for how long. Um, depending, it could be an hour, it could be an hour and a half. Or if it's shooting around days, it's really quick, about 45 minutes. Then we have post-practice workouts. Then we have do our post-practice workouts. You know, you work the guys out for how long, and then you show them film, whatever film you have personally for that guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that, you finish, you go back to your office, and then usually you have either more film you got to break down for the game, the next game, more film you got to break down for that player for projects you're doing to develop their skills, um, and more film you got to break down for either a scout that you're going, like say you have the we have to play Boston on, on on Saturday or Sunday, whatever. Then you're breaking down the film because you got to present that scout on on Friday or Saturday, whatever. 
So like you're you're breaking, you're always you're constantly doing that. So then you probably get done if you want to stay. At, you could stay in the gym and get your work done. You're probably done around four or five. Then you go home, and then if you have a family, you you just try to like zone out for a little bit with your family. And most coaches that I know that have families, they will have their family time, and then do a little more work around nine thirty ten just to like tighten up some stuff because yeah. they might have to present in the morning or practice plan some stuff in the morning, and then they'll wind it down and go to bed, whatever. If you're single like me and that doesn't have a family, then you know you might uh, can you know chill and do whatever, and then do some work at night and then have it prepared for the morning. So that's like a regular practice day, but shoot, but it's like but like. Uh, game days are long, obviously, because now it's like you're in the morning. It's showtime, man. It's showtime. Yeah. So, like, you're in the morning, you got early, you're there super early, and then you have got your pre practice workouts, and then you got your film session with the team, then you got to present the scout, and then you got your walkthrough, and then you got your post practice workouts, and then you got this little break between three or four hours that you're probably preparing some stuff for your players before the game. And then at three or four hours, you can do some errands, whatever you want to do, but most people just kind of like tighten up whatever they got for the that game that night. And then you have the game day. Come into the gym around 3.15. You got workouts start at 4. You're working guys out all the way until the game starts. And then 35 on the clock, we have a pregame meeting with the team. You present the scout. Then you already did something in the morning, but this is the for tightening everything up. And then after that, it's showtime. It's game time. Yeah, people don't understand. And, and, and I've known this just from going back to – being an intern here back mm-hmm. in the late 90s and all that stuff, whatever. But, you know, the the fans, they see the end result. They yeah, see the game. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But there's such a grind that goes into it the entire day yeah. into the game and then even after the game. I mean, there's no, no, there's but, times where people will be like, they'll be like, why is Anthony Edwards shooting shots after yeah. the game? You know what I'm saying? There's a lot that goes into it. Oh, no question. I mean, like, for, for a typical day on the road, like, after the game, You'll see, like, I mean, you're going. We're on the plane. No matter if it's an hour, hour flight, hour and a half flight, two hour flight. Right away, everybody got your laptops off. They're breaking down the game, breaking down the footage, getting their uh, all these edits ready for their players and for uh, the present to help out for the next game or to clean up something that we, you know, we did wrong. And we're dead tired. It's like yep. you know, eleven o'clock on eleven thirty, and we're still trying to type things up. And mind you, you still got projects on the side that you reports you got to turn into management and things like that. So you're constantly like on your computer doing that. So time is like limited when you're at this job. Like people see the end result, but there, you know, put it like this: if you if you see a coach, if you see a coach walking in the park, just enjoying the sun. That's rare, <laughs> yeah. Because it's he's he's got to go from the next thing to the next thing to the next thing. Because it's like time is just boom, 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 boom. Time is precious. Yeah, yeah. Get this done. Do this. Do that. Boom, boom. Where's this report? And then so, but I mean, there's no complaining because at the same time we love this. We're in it because we love it. And yep. there's a lot of jobs out there that's even way tougher than this. So it's just that believe me, it's a lot of time going to this. Yep. All right. So what was your wide-eyed moment in the NBA? That that former player or whoever that made you stop, stare, or possibly be an off for a moment. Two 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 situations. So um, preseason with the Charlotte Bobcats, I remember uh, I got in the game and um, I was you know I mean I was a rookie and I didn't play that much, but so I got in the game early, kind of early, somewhat early, and playing against the Lakers. It was Kobe, and <laughs> they switched. I, I switched on to him, and I was like, oh, man, I'm guarding Kobe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm guarding Kobe, and which was weird because it's like <laughs> when I grew up and watching Kobe, in my mind, I'm like, I'll lock up Kobe, man. Like, Because as a hooper, you don't think – I thought I could lock up anybody. I don't care who it is, Jordan, Kobe. That's just my mindset. 
Tomorrow's garden. I'm like, damn, I'm like, I'm Jordan Garden Kobe. I said, no, I'm gonna pick Kobe. I don't care. Nobody said. So he saw me. He was like, oh, like mouse in the house, whatever. So he started start backing me down. And I'm like pushing him, pushing him. And I'm just like, I just gotta get a steal. I just gotta get a steal. And um, I swiped at the ball. I swiped at the ball, and I kind of made him fumble it. And I was like, this is it. And then he just passed it off. And I was like, oh, I didn't get to do it. <laughs> that was my chance. And then I never got on him. But that was an all moment because it was like Kobe Bryant. Yep. Another one was. Uh, uh, it was Gary Payton, guarding Gary Payton, because that's my favorite. GP, that's yeah. my favorite player all the time. The glove, fair player all the time. And okay. like I, I, I forgot who he was playing for at the time, but like I remember guarding him, and I was thinking to myself, like, wow, I idolize this guy. Like I, oh, I patterned my game after this guy. I want to be just like him, guarding guys and stuff like that. So just guarding him, trying to get a steal again, because I was like, I just want some defining moments so I could talk head to him in the future. Yep. <laughs> now it's funny. I see him all the time. I, 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 train, I mean, I coached his son a little bit, GP the second, when yep. I was in Houston. So it's a full circle. But uh, that, was the, that was the moment I was excited. And actually, there's one more. I remember I was in Charlotte, and before the game, I seen Kobe lifting weights. And I remember he just – he just, I think he had the, was it the 71 or 80? What did he get for? With oh, Toronto? you're talking about the 81? Yeah, I think he yeah, had 81 yeah, against Toronto. That, that, he played Charlotte a couple games later. Okay. Uh, like, so I remember our coach said, he's not doing that to us. And I remember seeing him in the weight room just benching so hard. And everybody was looking around. And our, at the time, players were always saying, I don't want to live. I'm messing my shot. What are you talking about? You talking about heavyweights? Heavyweights. Okay, okay. I, I mean, he might have been, I don't know if it's. I know it was more than two plates. You know, I don't think. Oh, was, that's heavyweights. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was yeah. more than two plates. It might, it was bench, so it, it was more than two twenty-five. So it had to be. It could have been two forty-five, two fifty, but he was just knocking it out. And I remember our our strength coach was like looking at him like that's crazy because our players complain about even trying to lift on game day. Yep. And he was going so hard, and then I was like, this guy's a monster. And then, and then somebody was like, yeah, he was upstairs in the practice court two hours ago, pra- like training before our game. And I that's was crazy. like, oh man, this guy's a monster. And then. Shaq came in, and I was—I didn't see him, and I was like, "Man, complaining about lifting or something." And he was like, "You, man, you're a rookie or something." Like, <laughs> so you said you shouldn't complain about nothing. I turned around, I didn't know who said it, and it was Shaq. And I was like, "Man, this is crazy." I'm looking at Shaq; he's the biggest human being I ever saw, and Kobe's over here, just the monster. And I was like, "Yeah, I gotta get my my everything together." You know, what that's saying? crazy. So yeah, that was my moments in the NBA when I was a rookie. Yeah, that's crazy. All right, I want to ask you about the two young guys on the squad. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anthony Edwards and Jaden McDaniels. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is the potential that you see in both of them, and how good you think they can be? First, Anthony, like I mean, it's up to him, really. I mean, he's he has the charisma, he has the athletic ability, he has the it's just all the gifts you need to be a special player in this league. I've been around the league about seven, eight years, so I've seen a lot of players come through the league, and I've seen a lot of athletes come through the league. And he's he's in the top percentile one, and and two, he's. He just has the, you know, some special about him. You know, you the have it factor. It, the it factor, right? Yep. That smile, that charisma, and just that dog to want to be the best, you know. And um, but it, it, it's gonna take, uh, you know, a lot of steps to get there because he can be a superstar, transcending Hall of Fame type player. Yep. Or he can just be a good player, and that's gonna be up to him because if he puts the work in, which I think he will, but. We all know sometimes when you get the money, you get the glamour, you get all this stuff, it's hard to be self-motivated to do that. So I hope that he stays where he is now and keeps working hard. Um, but, yeah, he he's a, he's a good kid too. I mean, like yep. my mom, my mom's been, you know, obviously watching me coach and play basketball all my life. She's never had a favorite player. Wow. Never. 
Wow. Anthony Edwards is their favorite player. Wow. Crazy, right? That's crazy. I was like, I'm like, mom, you never asked for somebody's jersey. You never said, I know, but I just love Anthony's smile. He plays, she she said he, he plays with his heart out. Like he just plays with so much fun and charisma. And I'm like, yeah, he does go out there and do that. He better, you know, better rotate better. Here, here, <laughs> you know, I'm, talking, I'm talking about the coaching part. Yeah. He better play better defense, do that, you know. But that's, yeah, he has that. And Jaden, I, I was on, I was part of the uh, draft team, the draft Jaden. I worked, I did his video and everything, his, his game tapes. And I remember watching him. I heard about him in, I mean, in, in Seattle. They were telling me about him. Yep. But I remember watching him like really closely when they told me to do that for the draft. And I said, whoa. I said, am I tripping? Like this kid is special. Even though he has, he kind of struggled his, that year. But I was like, nah. Like, yeah, because he had an inconsistent freshman year there. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. And I was like, but there's something about him that like with his length and his, the way he moves his feet. I yep. told him, I told him, I was like, defensively, like, I know we're talking offense, but man. And then, he has a little bit of that KD factor in him. like yep. So he's special. And then when he got here, every player that was on the squad kept going, he's going to be good. <laughs> From D'Lo to whoever was on the squad, he's going to be good. I had Sam Cassell come up to me. He was like, this is his rookie year. And Jaden wasn't even playing a lot, but he was playing enough. He was like, what's that kid's name? J- McDan- McDaniels? J- like, that's the one. So he has the if factor. He's quiet. Yep. And he's very just like a, you know, kind of to himself, but funny kid. Um, we joke and stuff about. He keeps things. himself, but he's not shy. He's not shy. Yeah, he's not shy. But Me he, and him talked about that. Yeah, yep. but he just keeps to himself. He's not that person that's going to be outward. But he's a funny, super funny. One of the and he got that dog in him. I like oh, that. And he got that dog. <laughs> he's from the town, from Seattle. He got that dog. He ain't afraid of nobody. So uh, yeah, he's special. I mean, he's one of them kids that won't be surprised to be. A star, superstar. Like I'll say that right now. Yep. All right. Couple of final questions for Kevin Burleson here on the Life in the Pack podcast. I got to ask you about your brother Nate uh-huh. Burleson, former Minnesota Vikings wide receiver. Uh, what was it like being a Golden Gopher basketball player as he kind of was entering the league with the Minnesota Vikings? It was interesting because it was actually my senior year. I was graduating right, and um, I remember the draft was on, and I was excited. Draft day. My brother's gonna get drafted. I know he was a. Uh, uh, you know, up for one of the best receivers in the country and all that stuff. So I knew he was going to get drafted. I didn't know where. And um, I remember I just the draft was so long. You know, I fell asleep. Mm-hmm. I fell asleep in my dorm room and um, remember waking up to all oh, my phone was just blown up. And I was just like, oh, he must have got drafted. And then I kept seeing Minnesota. Minnesota, I was like, what? That crazy. Crazy, right? And I was like ecstatic. Like, And he and he obviously called me. Um so, like, uh, it, it was amazing because, you know, having a bro, this is like a second home to me. I tell people all the time because being here for four or five years and then have my brother come for four years, four or five years, whatever. And now like, you're back. Now I'm back. It's like a second home for us. I mean, Nate to this day, I mean, he loves, every city he's in, he loves the fans. But, like, it was something special about Minnesota fans. He loved the fans. So, um, yeah, I always try to get him back. He's busy. Obviously, he's on, you know, he's seen him on TV, yep. CBS, on NFL Network. He's doing a lot of different things. So, but he always wants to come back. Hopefully, I can get him back for the playoffs, just come to a playoff game. But, um, yeah, I mean, it was amazing. Like, I mean, I was leaving. He was coming in. And, um, you know, to have a brother another couple of years, that was great. That was crazy. Well, you know, I want to touch on that because I'm so happy for Nate's success in his broadcasting and mm-hmm. media career uh, from NFL Network to, like you mentioned, CBS. But it, I must admit, I'm surprised. Mm-hmm. And, and this is the reason why I say that. And I only say that because I once did an appearance and a radio show with him. Mm-hmm. We were at a Best Buy, and I can't remember where it was. It might have been Ridgedale Best Buy, mm-hmm. whatever store years ago. 
and he didn't really talk that much. Mm-hmm. And I and 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 so like now I'm like, man, <laughs> Nate was bluffing me the whole entire time. This dude just talking up a storm. <laughs> Well, you know, you might have caught him at a, a a night where he went out the night before. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But I'll tell you this. I He's got I, the gift of gab, Yeah, he got the gift of gab. I mean, I'm not surprised in terms of when he was a kid, he was always a ham. He liked to be in front of the camera. Uh, he liked to just, just show out. Like, he, I mean, he was a kid that, like, like he dressed to a tee. He always tried to, I mean, put different outfits on. I just want to go outside and play. You know what I'm saying? He was always that type of kid. So I'm not surprised at that. But when he was in the NFL, I would give him this. He was always preparing for the next step. I mean, he was always trying to – he would put himself out there, mm-hmm. go to uh, NFL uh, boot camp training for broadcasting, um, call people like, hey, I'll, I'll, I'll be on. Like he was the first person to jump on any show because he knew he liked to talk on TV. He knew he wanted to be in front of the camera. So I kind of think like he prepared himself. Like we tell players all the time, prepare yourself. I mean, even if you don't know what you want to do, yep. start taking steps. He did that so perfect. And then by the time he retired, he had so many offers. And um, now he takes it so serious. Like, I mean, I mean I'm mean, i pretty sure like Strahan, there's going to be a time where people don't even know he played football. Exactly. I mean, they're going to be like, oh, he's the guy on CBS or whatever. So And that's a measure of greatness. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yep. I'm so proud of him. I mean, you know, he inspires me every day. So, like, I'm just proud that he's doing what he's doing. Yep. All right. The final thing we do with every single guest is we just do a quick, like, two or three questions rapid fire. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, I'm going to mention something. You just briefly tell me what comes to your mind. Uh, favorite restaurant for you in the Twin Cities? J.D. Hoyt's. Okay. So that's just, I mean, this is, yeah, that's just that's kind it. of a thing with that's us. Yeah. Family. I'm, listen, and you know what's so crazy about that? Shout out to Pat. Shout out to Pat. <laughs> listen, I'm vegan. Yep. So, and it's not like J.D. Hoyt's has a million vegan items, but I'll tell you this. That atmosphere in there, that yep. family atmosphere is great. It's like I feel like at home when I go there, so that's my favorite. All right. Uh, you played in multiple places overseas. Uh, give me your favorite place. Germany. Germany no hands question. down? Uh, I'm going to tell you this. My second year in Germany, like they put in a paper that uh, I wasn't eating because you know the food was different for me. I had maybe 20 grandmas every week trying to give me food. I'm what? talking about, yes, coming to my house downtown, downtown in Germany, and I, I mean, I didn't miss a meal. And that's how good people out people are out there. So Germany, no question. All right, uh, and this is the final one. Give me one of your favorite books. Like mm. I have a Barnes and Noble card that I use. I'm active with it. I'm always running a Barnes and Noble buying stuff. Whatever. I know that you love to read, mm-hmm. man. Give me one or two of your favorites. Be here now, Ram Dass. No question, my favorite book of all time. Probably. Mm. I mean, it's hard to say favorite book of all time, but I tell you that was a. I mean, it's not like a. It's a heavy book in terms of like. It'll get you thinking outside your you know your norm and your box and yep. like and you have you it, the pages are not super dense or nothing like that but and it's a lot of art in it but each page you're gonna have to stop and just kind of think about what you're reading. Um, but I sat when I was in Houston, I got the book, sat at a Starbucks, a 24-hour star, Starbucks in Houston, sat for like four or five hours and read through the whole book. And had to reread it many times um, to really get the, all the concepts. But I remember I couldn't stop reading it mm. because <laughs> I couldn't stop reading because it was it was it was like I was it was euphoric at the time when I was reading it. So like yeah. I mean, it, it connected with a lot of stuff I was studying at the time, and I like a lot of esoteric knowledge. So it was it was good. Yeah, KB man, always a pleasure to chop it up with you, bro. You, I appreciate you for being the guest here on Life thank in the you, Pack. Thank you, thank you. And hey, listen, I'm telling you, we're gonna do something special this year, man. We already have, but we're gonna continue. All right, sounds good. Thank, thank you, bro. Yes, sir. Okay, picture this: it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.